Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Prime Subjective, a Star Trek recap podcast. Uh, today, we will be uh, recapping and reviewing Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 9, Rubicon, uh, which I believe is some sort of line that gets crossed. I, I don't know a lot of words, but that seems to be what it is. Uh, my name is Chris Newcomer. I am your host, and with me, as always, is our wonderful panel. We've got Jay Nim. Hello. We've got Carrie Coleman Henners. Uh, Moya. <laughs> and we've got Mike Henley. Howdy. <laughs> Ooh, playful. We're all feeling playful tonight. I love that. That's very good. A little catty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's perfect. Well, that means we can jump right into um, on this playful evening to how you doing. So, Jay, how you doing? I'm good. I went and I saw a play today in person for the first time in a very long time. Oh, wonderful. Nice. What play? It was called Cowboys versus Samurai. And it was a rom-com at the Hedgerow Theater. Oh, that's excellent. PDF, Pennsylvania. Would you recommend? I would, but it was the last showing. <laughs> so you're out of luck. <laughs> so sorry, sucker. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm glad you got to go. I mean, that's the beauty of theater, right? It's ephemeral. It's here for just a short amount of time. That's what makes it And special. it's just for me, not for anyone listening. Yeah. You're simply, too late. Simply for Jay. <laughs> <clears throat> well, good. And Carrie, how are you doing? Uh, well, I was just saying earlier, I went to see the Princess Bride uh, in concert with the Philadelphia Orchestra this past weekend. Uh and it was really good. It was really good, guys. If you That's have a great. chance, uh, go see it. <laughs> is it still running, you think? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I, I think it look. might be another situation like, like I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> if you ever see that your local orchestra is doing a movie, go check it out. But the Philadelphia Orchestra is really good. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, you're literally taking a world-class orchestra and having them play um, a film score. I love that. I think it's it's so yeah. special. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to do um, the soundtrack to Death Becomes Her, but I don't think that'll happen. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I, I cannot recall the, the soundtrack oh, to it's that good. movie. It's, got, it's like, it's, like a, it's very creepy and great. It's very, <laughs> anyway, don't, don't get me started. Maybe. Mike Henley, how are you doing? Super underrated movie, by the way. Uh, I am. I'm doing great. Uh, I'm doing really, really great. And uh, although I'm kind of behind the rest of the panel when it comes to actually going, being out and about and doing things on this uh, in this great big world uh, post COVID, uh, baby steps. Uh, feel like we're getting there. You know, I've I've already got things in my you know agenda for you know like ventures out. Um, you know, and uh, and and all that stuff. Uh, spending time with my uh, girlfriend's parents this weekend, um, and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, we're next weekend. I should say. So, yeah, no, things are good. Things are really good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear you're making plans to get out and about and do things. Yes. yes. Um, hold on. This... We're just pause for just one second. We got a little um, entrance going on. And we'll be getting. <laughs> um. So. Uh, I know that I just cut Mike off. I know he was about to ask me how I'm doing, and I'm going to tell him. Um, so I, I didn't see a show this weekend, but I was in. A, we 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 had our first um, thank you places show of the year, which is my musical improv team. I'm on that team with Carrie's wonderful husband Scott, and so we hadn't yes. done a show since before Christmas. So it was really fun to get back into the swing of things. Uh, we did a musical about um, a failing uh, soap opera, 
And the solution to fixing the soap opera was to kidnap Drew Carey, the king of daytime. <laughs> so it really it went, it went well. It was a good, <laughs> as you know, a typical, your typical musical kidnap mm-hmm. uh, star to fix a show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was a good time. It was uh, nice to get back out there, oh, stretch yeah. those muscles again, and uh, be silly with some talented friends, you know. So, I love describing good. improv shows. It's like trying to describe a dream you had one time. Oh, completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And also, like, when you record them, too, it's like it, it half the magic is in the, is, you know, as we were talking about mm-hmm. with Jay and the show you saw today, like the ephemera, ephemerality of it all. Like the magic happens in the room and then on screen you're like, yeah, they, it's really weird. <laughs> it's really strange what we decide to do with our time. Um <laughs> But we're not here to talk about improv. We are here to talk about Star Trek. And I heard a rumor that there's some Trek in the news this week. That is that Trek right? in the news. Mm. Trek in the news this week. Well, you know, it was news a couple weeks ago, but in February okay. at the 10th annual Makeup Artists and Hairstylists Guild Awards. That was uh, that happened recently. I guess that was the 10th annual one. Uh, the Star, Star Trek Discovery won the best special makeup effects for television for specifically the fourth season that we're reviewing now uh, for the Makeup uh, Guild Awards. And uh, Doug Jones was honored with a brand new award called The Chair, and it recognizes performers for a lifetime of achievement. Um, he was the inaugural winner of this new award for the Makeup Artist and Hairstylist Guilds Awards. Uh, and, and if you don't know anything about Doug Jones, just check on his um, IMDb. He's got stuff going all the way back to 1988 on his IMDb. And I got, I'm going to rattle off some things that Doug Jones has been in that you may know, or you may not be aware that Doug Jones was in. Uh, He was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you recall that very specific episode, uh, Hush, it was called where the the whole episode was quiet and he was like a, um, any, basically any move, any movie that he has to be like a tall, thin alien. It's probably Doug Jones. (laughs) Um, The Shape of Water a few mm-hmm. years back mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. he was that um amphibian uh the fx show what we do in the shadows he is on as i think nosferatu i think um hellboy of course mm-hmm. right. um he was on Fest- fantastic four he was the silver surfer Yes, he was. That's right. Um, and he was also in Batman Returns as one of the... You are missing my favorite credit of his, which, which yes, is what? Hocus Pocus. He is... Hocus Pocus! Um, he is... <laughs> <laughs> he is Winifred Sanderson's um, uh, boyfriend, who she is he's like a zombie from yes. the Britain, comes Yes, up. he certainly is. He, yeah. Yes. yes, he is. He's, there's... He, He's also there's another labyrinth, right? There's got yep. so yes, many credits. Yeah. So yep. many credits. So many credits. Like he's, we could just do an hour of talking about what shows he's been in. He's the fawn. Jay just mentioned uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which he I think he's the fawn and he's the pale man in uh mm-hmm. the in Pan's Labyrinth. He has a dual role, I believe. So yeah. Um yeah, he's fantastic. I love that Doug Jones is so prolific when it comes to uh, specific makeup uh, effects, you know, kind of acting. Basically, they had to invent yeah. a, an award for him. I think that's amazing. That's deserved. Now we just yeah. need to wait for Gary Oldman to get an award. Yeah. 
for he how said, like, wide quote, ranging this depiction. A quote from Doug Jones at the awards is, I kind of feel guilty for accepting an award for basically sitting in a chair while you guys did all the work. Aww. It takes a it takes a village to make a monster. And some of the most talented hands in the world have been all over me. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so cheeky. I love that. <laughs> me too. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, well, we're here to talk today, as, I, as we've talked about a little bit earlier, to talk about Rubicon, um, which is the, about two episodes ago. We're a little behind, um, which we can put all on my shoulders. I, did, I had to postpone last week, but we're back here to do it today. Um, so I'm going to give just um, sort of a light recap. We'll, we'll recap little bits and we'll uh, get everybody's take on uh, on it as we go through. Um, but we've got Michael Burnham and Booker's opposing plans towards dealing with the dark matter anomaly sort of taking shape. Um, they're coming to a head in this sort of crazy um, face-off. And so Starfleet feels Burnham and the crew uh, may be too emotionally compromised uh, to act clear-headed to stop Book from using an illegal weapon to destroy the anomaly and book and his accomplice, Ruan Tarka, at are at odds uh, at, at the lengths they're willing to go to to see their plan come to action as the stakes rapidly escalate. That's an overview, a big a big overarching view. But we open up, we see Tarka and book are able to finish the device um, capable of destroying the dark matter anomaly, but book is concerned about the X involved before deciding to move forward with the plan. Um, and over on uh, Discovery, concerned that Burnham is too emotionally invested to stop Book decisively, we bring back Commander Nan, who's a great face to see, um, and she's assigned to uh, by Starfleet to join this Discovery's crew to ensure she carries out her mission in full. Um, we also get a great scene with Saru consulting with President Tarina, a little gets getting juicier and juicier, to get further guidance on the matter, and the two set up a dinner date uh, upon Saru's return uh, <laughs> from his mission to stop Book. So sort of of these like opening bits of, of the of the show, um, who was excited to see Commander Non back? I was. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't not excited. I was yes, exactly. I was neutral. I was neutral. Yes. Neutral. Yeah. I was I was more just like if if anything, I was a little bit like, you know, having remembered the show pretty well, basically. The fact that every uh, the, every single character is so pleased to see her. It took me a second to basically just like, it, it, it allowed me to interrogate myself and be like, why am I more just like, she's fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> made me feel like the odd man out, you know? Like, I, like I know we're not going to see her again. Right. <laughs> drag her, drag her out of this, out of the closet. Yeah, you here, really. So. We don't want to get too attached on this show because we don't know. What's yeah, you here. never know who's. No. you know who's off to teach at Starfleet Academy or yeah. who's going off to. Uh, they do like a big show of dragging out some like random crew member as like a. Oh, you actually have a really close bond with all the characters, and like here, like <laughs> have a bunch of scenes where like people tell you how like great you are, and then like never see them again. Yeah, or they're just relegated <laughs> to being like another prop. Are you happy to see though the, the, the this mild development of the relationship between Saru and President uh, the President of Navarre? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I am one hundred percent on board. This, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Best, oh, yeah. Best that part is, of this episode. That is the <laughs> only reason I will watch the next episode. Yeah. Best. All the like Rubicon line crossing stuff. None of it actually yeah. holds up to the history it's purporting to reference. Mm -hmm. Um, well, so the Rubicon, right? Is, isn't it? Uh, is a is it a? It's a, sea it's river, a river. Right? It, it's a river it's a in river. northern Italy, and mm -hmm. the no like provincial governor, no provincial governor is allowed to cross it with their troops. Rome is an incredible was an incredibly superstitious society, and they had all kinds of insane rules. 
primarily. Yeah, we're talking about like uh, uh, BC, though. We're talking about like, yeah, right, Julius Caesar. Yeah, Roman history is fascinating. I consider yeah. myself an amateur student. Um, mm, this really okay. doesn't bear any resemblance, in part because <laughs> Caesar Caesar had an ongoing feud with a number of conservatives in the Roman mm -hmm. Senate because he was very heavy-handed about passing reforms, and also because he may have been part of a conspiracy to overthrow the Roman state that didn't go through. Mm -hmm. He was never like found mm -hmm. guilty, but a bunch of conservatives still believed he was guilty. And so they basically refuted to, refused to afford him certain kind of abuses of power that other people had had when they were as popular as him, because mm -hmm. the Roman Senate was just so broken that it didn't work unless a strong man kind of came through and forced stuff to happen every once in a while. Um, and that led to a civil war because Caesar had as many legions under his control as the rest of the empire had. So he crossed the Rubicon, which is tantamount to a declaration of war against the Roman state. Well, like a line you cannot cross. A line that can't yeah. be uncrossed. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. That's sort of the... <clears throat> or like a I think that's uh, what sure. they're referencing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, More so this... than the Caesar thing. <laughs> but yeah, but this is where it gets like stupider. Even if you want to get yeah. into that, yeah, book doesn't really cross the line. Like he's the right. only person who could be like approaching crossing a line, and then he doesn't even press the darn button. To... Anyway, we're getting yeah. ahead of the plot. No, yeah, I, do you think that? I, do you think that it's not just a person, one person? I think just the concept of this episode that this is the point of no return. The whole yeah, that's... I feel clickbaited. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> um no i i i agree because i always say because that that was that was that that's a saying you know like the the you know across the and um and and i always kind of took it to mean basically just kind of crossing the point of no return basically like the, the, this this you know and, and going back to the caesar thing like this is the point basically where you have committed treason essentially so yeah it is kind of a very fuzzy metaphor though why is I, it like it's not even yeah. the point of no return but okay we can talk about that later right. okay <laughs> will, jay is so angry about this but <laughs> i just want to say that i did not know what rubicon meant until a minute ago when we started talking about it and i didn't care <laughs> <laughs> i mean to be fair if you care about the titles of the show you're putting your energy in the wrong place yeah right that's fair that's fair that's fair uh, but now that I know it, I think it's super story. interesting. I'm like, okay, so now one of the definitions of it is to make a difficult decision with irreversible consequences. Right. So I'm like, okay, that fits the show. That fits the show. I don't need to point to one single character doing that thing. I, I think it's also, also one of those themes we come back to time and again on this podcast, which is like, if we were not watching the show having to do a podcast about it, we would have yeah. less intense feelings about it. I think. Yeah, maybe. Right we are, you know, the job is sort of to dissect and to, to dig in. And so mm -hmm. while, it, yeah, it, yeah I, would have, I would have been just like Rubicon, cool. But now I'm just like Rubicon. I don't know. You know, now it's sort of that. <laughs> I'm also I'm, I'm also slightly angry right now because I just started watching the old HBO series Rome and I just feel like I got spoiled oh, a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm so no, sorry. No, 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 I'm, I'm joking. So I mean, it's literally yeah, part of the written, rec written record of time but also <laughs> but um, spoilers okay but spoilers yeah and meanwhile so so uh you know you've got mike watching um rome and my brain when we talked about caesar is just flashes back to the line from mean girls where <laughs> where gretchen wieners is doing a book report or something about about caesar and she's like we should just totally stab caesar like that's that's what stuck, comes in my brain <laughs> anyway yeah um different points of reference uh <laughs> But here, I'll describe some more of the episode, and we can talk a little bit more about how infuriating it is. So, 
Using a tracker planted on Book's ship, the Discovery follows Book uh, to stop him while continuing their plan to make first contact with Species 10C, the civilization beyond the galaxy responsible for the anomaly. Um, Saru leads a shuttle to covertly board Book's ship, only for an automated security system installed by Tarka without Book's knowledge, um, which ends up destroying the shuttle, with crew and his crew uh, barely transporting back to this Discovery in time. Um, yes, I live in Philadelphia. That's what that siren is, if you're hearing it. Don't mind me. I live near the highway. Uh, realizing they're being traced, Book and... Oh, they're close. Book and Tarka jump to the anomaly to carry out their plan to destroy it with Discovery in hot pursuit and Burnham more determined to stop them than ever. Um, I thought that that um, shuttlecraft scene was interesting, but they do this thing they do a lot where they, they bring in, and I think some of you will agree with me on this, they bring in these characters that don't get a lot of screen time and then mm-hmm. give them big moments of, like, tension. And, and mm-hmm. it's like, where did that come from kind of thing? Like, I don't, why are these guys fighting? I didn't, I didn't quite get that, maybe. But um, it, what, did, what do you guys think? Yeah, well, it's also the, and, and Discovery is not unique even in Star Trek to this, but it, it, it felt kind of clunky here. It, for me, especially because, like, you're absolutely right, since we don't get enough time with these, and I mean, you know, not necessarily these guys, because these, these guys are kind of nondescript, you know, even amongst like the nondescript guys. But like, they don't just discuss; they kind of have like an actual like little mini debate, basically, before yeah. Saru tells them to knock it off. And it's the kind of thing where you just be like, I feel like Saru would have told them to knock it off way earlier, you know, basically like, shut up, this is not what we're here to do, you know. Or or Burnham would have addressed it better yes. as the captain, yeah. which yeah. and like yeah. that's. A- common that's thing like how many times have you seen a captain like hail the entire ship and give like a message and then the, yeah and that's just she just doesn't address it she does it I twice an episode <laughs> well but doesn't I she just a- like kind of exhort people to succeed rather than actually talking about the divisive issue that the crew is divided over i think that is fair yeah wait Car- karen much. you had a question Carrie, what was your well? question? yes yeah. i have a question how how do you cut ancient rome in half how? Uh-oh. Oh, is with, that a knock with, knock joke? With a pair of Caesars. <laughs> well was done. Was that Gary. relevant? Was that, oh, that relevant? That was very relevant. Excellent. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's, Thank you. that's that's you know, you don't hear you don't hear perfection that often, but when you hear it, you how have do you, to call how it. How out. do you cut um the, the uh, DMA in half? Mm. You don't apparently; it just pops back. Uh, you cleave wait. Land Booker it. Oh, you cleave Land Booker! <laughs> wow, good, very good. Wow, very good. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to think of other parts in this this little bit we just spoke about that are worth mentioning. Um, yeah, I think this is also the beginning of where we see book. Although why it's taken this long to realize that we don't know, but like he's like, "What you installed this on my ship without my knowledge?" It's like, yeah, this dude is gonna do whatever it takes. Like, do you yeah. know, do you not know who you're in the league with? <laughs> I didn't realize you were such a sneaky guy. It's yeah, like you true, didn't. Truly. Like, okay, all right, truly, yeah. I thought that was cool though. I think there were some yeah. things about this episode that I liked. Oh, I'm I agree. Sort of, yeah, I'm gonna focus on the things that I liked. <laughs> I like the special effects of that ship eating um, defense mechanism. Uh, what a what a crazy powerful weapon that is. Yeah. That just was sort of like, oh, I just did this thing. But uh, yeah, cool, cool effects there. I liked it. <laughs> I, I like that part. 
I like the effects as well. I agree. I yeah, for sure. Yeah, really cool effects. And and I'm always a sucker in Star Trek when you have like people like trying to outsmart each other about like, I bet you didn't know you could do this with a starship. I bet you didn't know you could do this with a starship, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, that, that's always fun. Yeah. There were some things that they do on this episode that's so such a Trek thing to do where the transporter technology, which is so, <laughs> so super advanced <laughs> in the year, whatever they are in. Oh, but the radiation. And yet there's still like they're still trying to do things by hand i'm like you don't need to you can yeah. just transport anything you want out and out of and into anything are you are you referring to so, when tarka is putting the um the, the isolinium yeah. into the weapon basically by hand yeah it's very dangerous yeah. Material. yeah super dangerous and they would come up with some sort of phony sci-fi thing like why it couldn't be transported but <laughs> it's like you yeah. know just okay Sure. Well, you can change your clothes with the transporter. I think we can yeah, handle a little liquid. So yeah. much, yeah. That's... Do you think that um here's another thing I liked about this episode? Do you think it, it was giving me Wrath of Khan vibes, you know, but like in a very light sort of way. The like a community like, leader um, version of Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Hey, um, no, I, yeah. I've done community theater. That's no shade. No. Uh, <laughs> How do, how, do, how, how, do, how do you mean, like, like, like the... Well, I think that Tarka is, and um, this is, a, this is a, crit, a, a critique of it. I think it could be pushed as him being more of a, a psychopath than he is. Like, really push that psychopath edge of his. And he's like, he's got this really dangerous, uh, uh, world-destroying, universe-destroying weapon that could be good, could be bad. It's kind of a, like... Mm-hmm. Wrath of Khan-ish mm-hmm. psychopath. Bas- sure. Basically this psychopath with a dangerous weapon, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I think it would be more interesting yeah, if they yeah. played him that way or they had bu- I- yeah. they built him up that way. Yeah. I think that he is kind of, I was hoping there would be more to him, but I'm starting to think that he was, he's kind of shallow. Like he is what he says he is. He's Have you just... seen this most recent episode? The one we're, I did. we're not talking about tonight? Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. I did. I did. Okay. And I still think that Yeah. Okay. there's, I'm not surprised by any of this information that I'm getting. He, yeah. I thought the one that aired just now, the one that we're technically not talking about this. We, I, I thought, <laughs> I thought, made some solid strides in the direction of what you're talking about. But I, I hear mm-hmm. what you're saying, yeah. Because yeah. I think maybe they're playing him more for his. It's like um, the incredibly intelligent person who's also just a giant coward, a selfish yeah. coward. You know, I think that's more his. I, you know. I, I, I think that maybe they're pushing like the human aspect of things, like how would you actually behave in this scenario, not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. be uh like a, a a caricature of a of a of a bad guy like there's gray areas to everybody right like so. when we saw the iron lady meryl streep gave margaret thatcher you know a, mm. a, a backstory. Uh, <laughs> Just, despite despite being a sociopath the complete villain uh, margaret thatcher. No. <laughs> take that margaret thatcher <laughs> Um, okay, I'll, 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 we'll describe a little bit more and we'll come mm-hmm. back for more thoughts. So Book and the Discovery engage in a dogfight in the space around the anomaly, using all sorts of tactics to mess with each other, uh, each other's scanners and shields in order to get them yeah. to pull out. I kind of thought of it as like the fencing scene, some fencing scene from The Mask of Zorro. 
and then yeah. sort of like flirty combat, but with starships and also very inappropriately like with the entire like known galaxy on the line. <laughs> um, Fair. Yes. Yeah. Fair. There, yeah. there is like a lighthearted rom-com element that fell and out of place in this, you know, earth, like galaxy oh. shattering. Right. Yeah. It does feel a little bit like they're playing like, you know, like how far, like, 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 like Michael is, pl- is kind of, like how far do I need to take this kind of thing, you know? And yeah. let's keep it light because then maybe I can trick myself into not realizing how serious the stakes are. But it, oh, I it, like that that view of it. That yeah, makes yeah. yeah. Um, and not uh, Commander Non is is unconvinced that Burnham has the commitment to destroy Book's ship if necessary. Yeah. Um, and Burnham maneuvers the discovery in between Book and the source of the anomaly, and serves as an impromptu barrier from Book and Tarka's isolitic weapon. Both the Discovery and Book are undeterred by repeated volleys of warning shots before Tarka fires quantum torpedoes on the Discovery, damaging the starship, ending this sort of back-and-forth tete-a-tete. Um, and then we get... Um, go, go ahead, Mike. Well, no, I was about to say, I mean, you know, kind of, um, you know, talking about non... Is it just me? And I, again, I feel like, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't want this to be the complete let's be, beat up on Michael Burnham again. You know, like like thing. I, I wanna I wanna diversify. You know, like our. But I do feel like has there been a running theme this season of people being installed on the ship? You know, either you know for you know for for or one off basically characters and having a conversation with Michael before beforehand, where Michael is basically just like, okay, I totally get what you're here to do. I think that's totally great. I understand yeah. why you're here. You know, you're an important control to do this, basically totally get it. And the minute they start applying that control, Michael's basically just like, well, this is why you're being ridiculous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like that's happened several times this year. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's her superpower. That's her superpower. <laughs> I really just wish they'd switch, they'd switch the captain and the first yeah. officer on Discovery. Yeah. It's... It's it's a little you know I don't I don't like Saru as captain. I don't well, think I love he, Saru I don't as think captain. Was, I, I didn't think he was a captain. great captain. I didn't. I didn't. It well, was I think he like deserves lame. another shot more than Burnham does. Maybe because like the one who you'd want arguing that passionately is the first officer, and then you'd want a rational calm sane captain to them consider that <laughs> i think that they points. do need to have more scenes together uh to balance each other out sort of like a janeway and chakotay relationship they need to have yeah. like you know yeah. the, somebody somebody's to go really like uh, off the rails and somebody else to help bring them back a little bit <clears throat> yeah that could help yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially when you when you go back to like the, you know, I know we're far off the path from like the original Trek, you know, yeah. by a lot. Yeah, like a, yeah, absolutely. Like a Spock a, and Kirk relationship. But you need it to balance it out. You do. Like the, the, the genius, that relationship when you throw bones in there, too, is the idea that they're all, you know, you have this ready made, you know, kind of like, I don't know, like cauldron or whatever for just like well this person's feeling this this person's mm-hmm. feeling this it's totally in character why each one these people feel this way basically and they're going to somehow meet you know in the middle of all three points basically and i feel like i want saru to be involved in a, in a conversation like that yeah yeah no i get that mm-hmm. there was something uh, else that i enjoyed that i i don't want to get too far away from i i i did like the brief times where they got the differing opinions from crew members about mm-hmm. what was going on i thought i thought that made yep. it a little bit more interesting yep. that not everybody 
felt the same way, even though, you know, they're going to do what they have to do because they're, you know, following their orders, but they don't necessarily have the same opinion on the subject. I keep watching this. I, I, I totally think that's like, like does provide depth, but I keep wondering, like, I would love to see like, um, you know, some one-off episode that is unrelated to the main plot of the person who's like, I came 10,000 years in the future. Mm. You want me to go and kill myself on this damn anomaly? I'm out of here. <laughs> I want to see that person's, yeah. <laughs> you know, because there's got to be somebody who's just like, I, I've been through enough. I quit. Yeah. I'm done. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go live alone on, uh, you know, uh, on the moon of Navarre. You'll never see me again. Like, I want to see that. Navarre. You'll never see me again. You'll never see me again. <laughs> uh, truly, I mean, I'm just saying, there's, there's got to be somebody like that out there. That, but that also yeah. shows you what my commitment to Starfleet would be. I would be like, uh, gotta go. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I just I just joined up so I could see like different ports and stuff. Basically, I didn't do it to risk yeah. my life. This is ridiculous. I'm not I'm not here for this. I was trying just, to meet. Riker I'm just here. On to, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I I would probably just be on the Starfleet improv team, coaching, <laughs> yeah. coaching improv. Like that's my job on Starfleet. I'm the improv coach. I just wanted to take shore leave on a bunch of different planets, if you know what I mean. I mean, that's all I'm interested in. There well, is, your holodeck's is, way better than the one I have at home. <laughs> so that's why I mean. There is a, there is a um, New York based uh, musical theater improv team called the Red Shirts. It's all feet and all female mm. Star Trek. Oh, I love that improv team. Nice. And uh, they're quite good. And I think they're about to start performing again. So awesome. check them out, y'all. Awesome, y'all. Um, I'll describe the rest of the episode since we're basically um, towards the end. Um, so Burnham persuades Nan to give her one last chance to talk down book. Uh, offering uh, one week for the Federation to make first contact with Species 10C before allowing him to proceed with his plan if their diplomatic solution fails, which uh, after some tense moments, Book does agree, but Tarka acts impulsively and fires the experimental weapon anyway, destroying the anomaly but not giving him the power source he needs to return to his own universe, um, or whatever universe he's trying to get to. Um and then as Starfleet readies itself for a response from 10, Species 10C, the Discovery is shocked to learn that a new dark, dark matter anomaly has been deployed in the same exact location as the previously mm -hmm. destroyed one, with a first contact of sorts between humanity and 10C. Now here, whether or not either civilization is ready for it. So, yeah, that's the, that's the, the whole of the episode. Mm-hmm. I, so I think that there's going to be some very strong opinions on, on the end of this episode. I see Jay <laughs> nodding his head like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well <laughs> I, okay. So yeah, they did all of that. They got all, they got, they figured out where they were going to mine Boronite next. Uh, Booker agrees to it. Uh, uh, Tarka just went ahead and hit that red button anyway. And um, then nothing happened. And he was like, oh, dang, my <laughs> hypothesis was only half right. He will never say he's wrong. Uh, the, the What I need is on the other side of the wormhole. I never thought of that. And so nothing happens for him. And then there's no consequences for <laughs> anybody. <laughs> Uh, and um yeah we're back to where we started so 
I actually am going to say something very controversial. I kind of like that nothing happens. I kind of <laughs> like it because okay. it's like, all right, well, you you were you went you had all these fights and you did all this stuff and look at look at what happened. You're just back to where you started. Nothing happened. You, <laughs> I I don't know. It's it's like. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm properly conveying why I liked it, but I think it just sort of shows the futility of what yeah. they're trying to do. And I thought that was a good sort of like, well, now what are you going to do? Yeah, Guess like of that. that thing, everything you did was for There's nothing. Another variant. So what? what are you going to do now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then both people double down, have to double down on their positions after trying to find compromise. Yeah. Sort of a sad yeah. reversal, but like, that's so... not my gripe with this episode. What is your gripe with the episode, Jay? Let it oh, fly. My, 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 my gripe is with how they like gaslight the viewer by pretending that Book is something that he hasn't been ever. <laughs> and they repeatedly go like, he's reasonable, he's logical, he'll listen to evidence. I think they say that line at least three times. Um, Book has been very emotional. That is one of his <laughs> strongest character traits. Um, extremely impulsive. And I don't say that as like a bad thing, but because he's a smuggler, like you have to make impulsive decisions to escape the authorities chasing you and to try and evade detection. Um, and suddenly they've just rewritten this character so that Michael Burnham can try and use her emotional connection to him to say that she knows better than every single other person on the ship. And I just feel kind of insulted like that I paid attention to this character when they're just going to change who he is completely and really base a whole, ep base a whole episode around that. Yeah. And, and I feel like I didn't feel insulted, but I did feel kind of jerked around if only because it felt like, it felt like the show kind of justifying past where, you know, after last week, I thought we were kind of at a point of just, all right, the time for talking to book is over. Like we tried yeah. that. It didn't work out, you know, but we're still doing that. And I understand, I don't look, I don't want book to die. I don't want, I don't want him to come back basically and spend, you know, 20 years in Federation prison or anything like that. I don't necessarily want that, but at the same time, I do feel there, there was a real sense of kind of treading water in um, Michael's interactions with, you know, book, even though they weren't in the same room, it still felt like, too much of an extension of stuff we'd already done where it's basically just like, no, he's well, you know, even if he is, is quote, you know, has been reasonable in the past, which I agree is, is kind of a, uh, you know, a kind of a discrepancy in characterization. Basically he's not like that now, you know, no. and um, he has gone through like some of the greatest trauma anyone could ever yeah. experience and losing his entire planet. So you now is when you want to count on his reason and logic yeah. acting true to character. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. And the, the show, um, I don't think we got into it too much, but like the the, the show non mentions that, you know, there's um there's a lot of they're in, an, uh, you know, part of, you know, all the, all the interference and whatnot. Basically, there's like kind of a, a last ditch kind of stopgap measure that I forget how they describe it, basically. But there there is kind of like a, um, a last resort thing they could try that effectively oh, right. means destroying the ship, basically. And they decide kind of not to go that route. Um, and obviously I don't want them to go that route, but it, 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 it felt kind of forced in the way of like, well, we're not going to do that. So therefore we have to keep trying to talk basically. It's just like, well, we tried time trying to talk. Maybe there's a third option, you know, mm -hmm. something. Well, I think if history serves or as a reminder, if, um, you're a boyfriend of Michael Burnham and you betray her, 
they will write you off and give you your own spinoff series. So I think that is what's maybe, no, I don't know. Maybe there'll be a, a buddy comedy, uh, Tarka and Book, uh, which, which we will not be watching or reviewing. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. The other, the other kind of gripe I had with this episode is just how incredibly incompetent a lot of the people are in this episode. You have people arguing on away missions. You have Michael mm-hmm. Burnham stretching herself backwards to try and justify talking to Book. They literally fire a full spread that brings the shields down to like 20%, right? Mm-hmm. And and Nan says, okay, like we should fire the weapon at this ship that is trying to destroy us. And Michael Burnham immediately just goes, it couldn't have been Book who gave that order. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Just, just Which is kind of a moot point at that point as well. Kind of, it's exactly, like, it's entirely. Fired on. <laughs> and on a side note, how is Book's ship that's so small it can fit inside Discovery able to like be on par with Discovery? Yeah. It's, You're it, not going to try to kill your boyfriend, though. Like, it all seems kind of reasonable I, to me. I, no, I, no I, I, I agree. <laughs> I just, I want a third option because I think I'm just, I, I think I'm just bored of like the, yeah. Book, this isn't yeah. you, you know, thing. Yeah, yeah. that has been going on else. way, that has been going on too long. And the way he has acted, his character has not changed at all. And I kind of wish I would have seen a little bit more um, unstabi- instability, emotional instability from him because he's been playing it all very cool, but he should yeah. be a little bit more... I don't know. Uh, lean into it a little bit. He's not even hallucinating with anymore, the, which would yeah, lend itself to yeah. Mm-hmm. And I that do think that this show has been this this season has been really good. Uh, the whole show has, but especially this season, every single episode, we're like, well, they keep raising the stakes higher, raising mm-hmm. the stakes, raising the stakes, and just it's like how you think that they can't possibly raise the stakes any higher but they raised it higher again okay the dma is back also it's bigger and stronger and nothing (laughs) you did made any difference (laughs) and uh i did like the one scene the other thing i liked that i forgot to mention was when they were talking to each other ship to ship and just looking through the screens Mm -hmm. like talking (laughs) yeah yeah so it was so weird, but also really cool at the same time. Yeah. And not at all um, realistic, of course, in any way whatsoever, but fun to look at, fun to watch. You know what? I I, I just realized something, and this is going to sound like a digression, but I promise it's going to circle back to exactly what we're talking about. Like, I you, feel like... time. You digress away, Michael. It's, it's, <laughs> do it. I feel like ever since Michael got made captain, basically, I feel like there's been something missing, and I haven't quite been able to put my finger on it. And I feel like when I look back over my favorite, you know, Star Trek shows in the past, like they always, you know, the captain was not only just someone who commanded authority, but someone who was, you definitely never wanted to disappoint because when you go back mm-hmm. to like, you know, uh, you know, like when captain Picard, you know, was called on a right to, to, to deliver a speech, he would deliver a devastating speech. Basically uh, uh, captain Cisco was the king of the yellers. Boy, did you not want captain Cisco yelling at you? You know, um, <laughs> Uh, Janeway, I think, was terrific, basically, at really laying down guilt trips on like when yeah. when 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 people. Uh, and I feel like Michael needs a little bit of that, especially now, because I feel like when we're talking about like, I wish there was a third option. I wish there was something more that Michael could do just on an interpersonal level rather than just going like, book, please don't do this. You know, like I I I I, I just want something a little bit more 
she has she has the right to be self-righteous at this point basically like and 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 i i i want the, like a like a I, I, I'm not saying that it would definitely, you know, change books mind. I mean, you know, like that's, that's, that, that, that's a writing thing or what, thing or whatever. But I feel like, I feel like Michael doesn't have a lot in her bag of tricks and I want more stuff in her bag of tricks. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. She seems to be of all the captains, um, uh, the friend, the friend captain, the one yes. who everybody yeah. respects because she's a friend. Um, I don't know if that's, She's also really uh, good or not, but that's how it sets. That's how it sets her apart from the other star uh, fleet. And age-wise, she's she's the actress, uh, 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 Martin Green. She's uh, in her twenties, right? She's not. She's not. I feel like there's like a youth thing going on here that we don't feel she's gravitas because she's a younger person, perhaps. Oh, that's an interesting point. She's she's younger than us. She's definitely younger than me. I don't know. She's older than me, you guys. <laughs> she's... Oh, she's 36. So she is. Okay. She okay. That's, not, yeah. that's fine. She's younger than me. They don't make eyes like that yeah. at 36. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just making that's eyes. That's why I all don't of thought, All of you thought she was younger than you. I thought she was like 26. I didn't I didn't know. I had no idea. Hmm. Hmm. And hmm. Instead, instead, she hmm. uh, she and I are both 36. And that's the line I'm going with. Uh, you know, she know. just had... She just gave she just gave birth right before this season started filming. Oh, so that nice. episode where they were like the gravity went. Remember that episode, the very yeah. first episode, yeah. where they lost gravity. She had just given birth, and they were oh they God. like had her up. They like had her up on. A, <laughs> uh, oh my God, bring in my stunt double, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I like the actress a lot. I, I, I would yeah, like too. to I would like to say something nice about the episode. Yes. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Saru, I mean, Saru and Tarina are oh, fantastic. Mm, yeah. And moreover, like Saru's struggles with romance coming from a culture where you kind of are ritually massacred <laughs> is is an is a little taste of what it was like to be back in the old Star Trek series where you would actually have interpersonal problems because uh, one species's culture made them made it hard for them to navigate something mm-hmm. some some aspect of existing on a ship with other cultures that they didn't have to deal with you know yeah yeah saving the best for last saru and tarina that's yeah. and you get the like, best part of the show yeah. yeah so i have really appreciated that um mm-hmm. agreed it was definitely needed for the balance of this episode as well um, and maybe maybe they're going to be the ones who get the spinoff um, Maybe they're gonna they're gonna move to that moon of Navarre where the other person went and open a B and B, and run it. And uh, it'll, be, it'll be really good. Uh, it'll be like New Heart. It'll be great. It'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was I was thinking you, New Heart. Sure, I was also thinking maybe it's something like Faulty Tower. Faulty Tower is yeah, faulty. That would, yeah. that would be amazing. <laughs> great series. Starring Saru and, and President Tarina. I would love. I I think I said this before, but I think I love. Uh, the actresses, President Serena's depiction of a of a Vulcan. I yeah. think it's yes. I think it's very mm-hmm. smart because it shows that Vulcans are not. Comp- they don't they don't not understand emotion. They understand emotion. They've just chosen to prioritize logic, and right. she's very calm and she's very she listens and she it is like a perfect balance a perfect person for Saru and I wonder if they 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 uh saw that after the actors started already 
it, we're already in these parts. Like maybe, maybe yeah, they wonder, saw yeah. some sort of uh, connection there, chemistry there. But the way they speak to each other, it's very, it's so like you can cut that sexual tension with a knife. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so polite and yeah. elegant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I know and there's so much hot. underneath there. And it's hot. And it's so hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like no, you're dead. Elizabeth, yeah. uh, Queen Elizabeth, of course, is Saru in this in this analogy. <laughs> Ooh, okay, yeah. all right. Um, uh, no, no, I, I, I totally get this, especially because I feel like that's something that a lot of guest actors, uh, you know, playing Vulcans sometimes get wrong. You know, the idea because I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes you know, like a guest actor come in playing a Vulcan, they're really like, oh, yeah, I get it, basically. Like, they don't, they don't have emotion at all. Obviously, that's not you know mm-hmm. what you just said. Like, that's that's really the case. But like, it makes me think back to. Well, I was going to say it makes me think back to the 60s, but I wasn't alive then. I promise. Um, yeah. But it makes me th- but, it, but it does make me think back to like, you know, like reading like making ofs basically and like the fan base that Spock had back in the day, you know, like mm-hmm. really attributing a lot to like his raw sexuality, basically. And like if you're just looking at the show on paper, you're basically like, I don't get how that like, how is that even a thing, basically? But yeah. if you watch the show, I think you get mm-hmm. it, you know, so no, I totally agree. It was like a tantric kind of thing. It's like, it's all the massive Mm. control and delay. Mm. and Yeah. Yeah, I don't like when the Vulcans, like you said, when guest stars come on and the Vulcans are so robotic. Yes. So robotic. They have to have that sort of underlying, like, I'm, uh, there's something dark, in there that they have well, it's like it's like what the actor who played tuvok had it really well as well yeah yes or it's really fun it's really fun if they're arrogant like supremely arrogant that's the other fun yes. side of the coin mm-hmm. like the <laughs> yeah. deep space nine baseball episode oh that's oh, so yeah. good yeah mm-hmm. oh, just mm. <laughs> i love that baseball yeah. episode it's that so much great. fun it's oh, just so, much fun. <clears throat> so good um, I know I keep talking about Star Trek musicals, but I also have a friend who's on our improv team who created a Deep Space Nine musical for her sister that is not available for wide release, but I will share with you for um, <laughs> yes. permission to let you guys see. Please. So I think you would appreciate yes. it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <clears throat> for you three, 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 I'm counting my own self because I'm also in there. Oh, the three of you. Anyway, so. <laughs> just call it. Just say us four. Just say us, us four. four. You're part four. of this. That's right. Arguably, you're the creator of this. <laughs> I'm just the loudest one. I'm not the creator. <laughs> That's all it is. Um, uh, we, we got through the episode. Does anybody have any um, anything we have not yet covered? Anything we haven't yet struck upon? Okay. No? So the book's got to be waking up, right? At some, you know, just basically just being like, ah, I feel like this is not, you know. This is yeah. this is not shaping up to be you know what I thought this was going to be you know yeah and I, I feel, feel like, like in the episode coming this week we're going to see an, an awakened mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I, it just usually like when someone makes a deal with the devil the devil is clever and tries to convince <clears throat> you that they don't really want anything they just want to help you and then sure. you achieve what you wanted with the devil and you realize oh no I bargained away my soul in the process but here like mm-hmm. the devil book is making the deal with is clearly revealed what they want and basically said yeah I don't really entirely care what happens to the world you live in because i'm going to be gone if things go well and yet book is still hoodwinked yeah Yeah, and i i think i just kind of blame it on the actor playing tarka basically who i just think is just not 
quite doing it for me. I feel like he needs a little bit more charisma than he ultimately I ultimately has. And maybe that's a fault of the writing too. I'm not 100% sure. Just, yeah, something more in either direction. More charisma, just more yeah. evil, more yeah. just more. Yeah. Well, he's, take, I think a, he's, take a direction and go more. I think he's supposed to be <laughs> sympathetic somehow especially what happens in yeah. the next episode like yes i don't yeah. i don't think he is i think he is extremely I don't think they succeeded yeah yeah but i agree i felt kind of queer baited too i was like you want me to like him because there's sort of a gay thing going on here and i would love that to be the I, reason I, like him. I agree with that as well yes yes um and it also felt like i don't know like uh it felt um like okay that clarifies but i don't think it extends sympathy you know like there is a difference yeah. you know like mm-hmm. yeah it's just an aspect of him it doesn't really help the yeah it <laughs> doesn't, yeah. doesn't change anything no. it doesn't okay. matter so what race or gender that person was <laughs> right exactly right um <clears throat> well good uh, does anybody have any recommendations of things that they have uh, been enjoying of late? Uh, yeah, you know, I do. Uh, what What do you call a chicken? What do you call a chicken looking at a bowl of salad? <laughs> uh, Caesar salad. <laughs> uh, I don't know. A chicken. A chicken sees a salad. <laughs> Oh, chicken! Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The chicken, so, the chicken was looking at at the bowl of salad. To be clear, your recommendation was that one joke. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that one joke where a chicken looks on a salad where it is also the main uh, uh, ingredient of the salad, uh, which yeah, is a little morbid, a but okay, I'm into that. I like that. That's a little little Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> just read more jokes google jokes that's my recommendation google some jokes and and, and uh read them to your friends <laughs> i like that game that's very good that's very good uh mike any recommendations uh yes i have two recommendations uh one i just started watching on uh, apple tv for anybody who has apple tv uh the new tv show severance which stars adam scott as like a like a worker drone for like a, you know, kind of a mysterious company where everyone who works for the company has basically their brain altered so that there is a, like a, almost a personality split between their work life and their home life. Um, and so it's, it's very creepy sci-fi with a hint of like, you know, satire comedy in, uh, in it, basically it, it, it kind of, it switches up a lot of tones, but like, there's a mystery element and there's like a, not a funny haha moment, but uh, element, but more like a funny, like, <laughs> that's only like slightly, you know, uh, elevated from how I feel going to the office every day, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's really, really strong so far. Uh, ben Stiller directs the first couple episodes. He directs them really, really well. Um, I'm really enjoying it a lot. Um, so that's my first recommendation. Uh, my second recommendation is the HBO series Rome, which has just got started. There's this character named Julius Caesar. I'm predicting big things for him. I think things are going to go great. <laughs> uh, but Rome is a good show. Yeah. The two stars of Rome, because um, there's that one, there's that red-haired guy, and then there's the guy with the dark, I forget their actor's names. But they, uh, yeah, they started. Aaron Hines plays, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They started in a movie in the '90s called Bedrooms and Hallways, where they played uh, lovers, and it's very oh. good. So that's my oh, hey, okay. the '90s movie starring the guys from Rome, where they made up. Uh, so I hope you, you enjoy that. Uh, nice. It's quite good. Jay, do you have any recommendations? 
I do have a recommendation. Um, there's a delightful show that I'm close to finishing that's just full of like wonder and a zest for life called How To With John Wilson, where an anxious New Yorker poetically explores some topic. He's supposed to be teaching you how to do it. Episodes range from how to um, cover your furniture to how to remember your dreams to how to be more spent spontaneous. The whole time he's just showing insane like footage of life from New York, whether it's like rats wearing hats on the like, but like real life footage from New York and also interspersing like him meeting the strangest people. Um, it's just remarkable. It makes you like wonder like, wow, I'm walking past an alleyway and I wonder what amazing marvelous things could happen in that alleyway or strange things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. That's it's good. A beautiful, lighthearted show. Let's check that out. Um, I like fun in an alley. Anyway, nope, that was the wrong joke. I apologize. <laughs> I retract. I retract that one. I can't end with that. I apologize. <laughs> okay, then, um, then I'll end the episode. Chris Newcomer loves fun in an alley. <laughs> <laughs> well, the piano bar I go to is on an alley, so that's fair. That's a fair there you go. Okay, all right. Assessment. Um, good save. Good save. Good save. Um, well, good. Well, uh, thank you, my friends, for joining me for another uh, great recap of our favorite season of Star Trek ever, Star Trek Discovery <laughs> season four. I'm kidding. Uh, and I just want to, we're going to end uh, as we always do um, with uh, a song that really talks about crossing a line. It's called Past the Point of No Return. It's from Fan of the Opera. It goes like this. <laughs> Past the point of no return. No backward glances. No, I won't, I won't do the whole thing. But that is a, that's a good, it's a good Rubicon song if you're looking for one. Um, <laughs> If we're taking a broad meaning. I don't want to get back into that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how to tell I, you this, I, but and, Andrew Lloyd Webber's lawyer is on the phone right now. Oh, no. no after, oh. after that bit about the Rubicon, I had to remind myself to stop nitpicking the small things and go back to nitpicking <laughs> the big things about this show. <laughs> uh, you you well, nitpick all yeah. you want. Yeah. When you were, when, when uh, we were talking about, uh, 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 Saru and Tarina, the song that came into my head was, Let's open up a restaurant. Santa Fe. Santa Fe. Santa Fe. That's Let's what I was just thinking of. Let's open up a B&B outside of Navarre. Oh, yeah. 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 Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Oh, man. Saru and Tarina singing. Oh, 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 I love that song. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's oh, exactly yeah. what I was thinking. And and because she's Vulcan, you know, like you, it would be like on the one level, you'd be like, the emotions aren't there. But on the other level, you'd be like, oh, be oh the emotions are totally there. It, but it would be technically precise. It yes. would be. Oh, oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It would be, it would be very, yeah, up and down. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. Well, good, good work, team. Good work. Good work, team. <laughs> All right. We, we, I wonder when Mike's going to cut this. Yeah, yeah.